Hi, this is Dr. Sean Handorp, clinical psychologist and health behavior expert, and this is the Motivation Made Easy podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you science-backed information, strategies, and inspiration to master your relationship with food so that you can feel in control of your habits, respect your body, and free your mind to focus on the things in life that truly matter. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I've had years of experience doing research and patient care in the field of weight management and eating disorders. So I've had the insider view on understanding what works and what we're getting very, very wrong. In this podcast, you'll find practical information and tips based on motivation science, interviews from experts, and stories from real people and how they've navigated their relationship with food. My goal is to empower you with information, inspire you to make changes that fit you, and feel 100% supported along the way. So settle in and make yourself comfortable, and get excited to learn and take action for a better, healthier, more energized life. Hey there, before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to make sure you were aware of a free resource I have. It's an audio training that I created to walk you through the steps of not dieting, but tuning into your body and making the next behavior change that fits you. So if you're struggling to control your eating or feeling frustrated or stressed about weight gain, this is a great guide to just download really quick and listen to and figure out, okay, what are some step-by-step guides that I can take right now to move myself in a positive direction. It really walks you through the how. So if you're looking for that type of guidance, make sure you grab that for free at drhondorp.com forward slash tune in. So check that out and get that today. And just as a reminder, before we dive into today's show, that this podcast and blog is for information and educational purposes only. It's not a substitute for individual professional advice or treatment, including medical, mental health, or nutritional advice. All right, so let's dive into today's episode and just another little behind the scenes secret. I'm playing around with different sound setups. So I had been using this old laundry basket and a pillow and it just wasn't sounding that good. So fingers crossed that today will sound better. You guys can let me know, but I'm a one woman show over here doing my best. So hopefully as long as I bring good content, right? But hopefully it's not too hard to listen to. So we're going to dive in today to talk about three unexpected tips to develop a healthy relationship with food. So let's dive right into tip number one. Tip number one is to consider your environment, but not in the typical way we talk about it. So I do talk about our food environment, And that can be our broader food environment, like uh, the increase in fast food and increase in portion sizes and things like that. And how I will often talk about that as being a player in our health, certainly. Then there's also what's called the personal food environment. That's your food at home. But what I'm talking about here is totally different type of environment. So hear me out. Although our food environment matters... I want to talk about something that's even more important that is often not talked about, and that is your social environment. So when I say social environment, I'm talking about 
the people you spend your time around. So that could be family, friends, loved ones, even exposure on social media sort of becomes our social environment, especially right now, right? This could be coworkers, your boss, people that you engage with regularly. We are social beings. We are very influenced by folks in our lives. And you often on this podcast hear me talk about autonomy, right? As one of those key, three key psychological needs needed for a long-term thriving and habit change. So my question for you is considering your social environment, the people you spend your time with, is it really supporting your autonomy and freedom to choose what's best for you? And this could be related to food or exercise, but it could also just be related to other things in your life other choices that you want to make? Or is it consistently thwarting that autonomy? Are you consistently feeling pressured to behave in a certain way, to eat in a certain way, to move in a certain way, to do a certain job, to be in a certain relationship versus turning inward and trusting yourself to make that choice without excessive pressure? Now, when I say excessive pressure, it doesn't mean that you don't have people in your life guiding or advising or giving you suggestions. Uh, Medical providers are a great example of this. We don't go to our doctor just for them to say, do whatever you want. We go to them for feedback on where we're at with our health and, and what changes might be helpful. But then we ultimately get to choose what's best for us, right? And so hopefully, you know, our medical providers are part of our social environment too, hopefully, if you're involved in medical care. And Hopefully they're also giving us options without a lot of judgment or excessive pressure that this is the only way. You know how I feel about people that say this is the only way. It's rarely the truth and rarely, if ever, supports autonomy when we're not given choices. So as you think about people in your life, perhaps, that are not supporting your autonomy, and I would argue that most of us have some of those people in our lives. We want to go into conversations with these folks with a plan. So I often talk to and work with people who are in relationships, perhaps where they don't feel free to be themselves, or they might feel criticized or judged for their decisions. Often this is related to food, right? So if you have people in your life playing the quote unquote food police and maybe you were aware it wasn't helpful. You probably are, but maybe weren't a lot of people that I work with. They just blame themselves. They say, well, it's on me. I have to figure it out. I can't ask them to change. And they sometimes have mentioned in a moment of frustration that they don't appreciate the comments. But if you haven't taken the time to calmly explain to them why it's unhelpful, now is a great opportunity to do so. Even if they don't change their behavior, you at least have calmly asserted yourself and given yourself the message that your feelings matter and you matter. So I often talk to people about assertive communication, and this is true across eating concerns or just, I mean, it's one of the most common things I talk to people about because I think we all are always working on assertive communication. And just to be clear, assertive communication often gets confused with aggression or confrontation, but it's actually the exact opposite of this. So assertive communication is 
this middle ground of you respecting and expressing yourself and your feelings while also respecting the other person. So you're not pointing the finger, you're not blaming, shaming them or getting angry with them. You might feel angry and it leads to saying something, but it's the middle ground between passivity or passive communication, which is my feelings don't matter. I'm just going to, you know, shove it down, not say anything, but sort of silently stewing. And then we can, sometimes that can build up so much that we get resentful and angry. We jump to the, we jump over assertive communication to the other extreme, which is aggression or confrontation where, you know, screw you, doesn't matter. This is what I think. I'm so angry that you're finally asserting yourself or people will call it asserting yourself, but that's really not assertive communication. Assertive communication is taking a step back. Often it's best to do this as you're practicing it, not in the heat of the moment, but taking a moment to calm down, figure out how you feel, what would be helpful for the other person, and then asking that of them. So a lot of times I work with people who rightfully so are really tired of having food police comments or I mean, people just for some reason feel like they can comment on bodies and what we eat and it's clearly not helpful. But instead of a lot of times people say, well, I have tried or I kind of express it and they don't change, but often they haven't really calmly stated it before it gets to the point of frustration. So instead of in the moment saying that isn't helpful or you're making things worse and sort of telling the person how unhelpful they're being and, you know, in an angry way, stepping back, calming down and coming back at some point and saying, hey, when you comment on my eating, it makes me feel self-conscious or anxious. You can see how it's focused on expressing where you are coming from and how you feel, not blaming, pointing the finger. And then it's often helpful to say something like, it would be more helpful if and fill in the blank. Often that might be, it'd be more helpful if you could not say anything. Or, you know, again, expressing, I have a hard time not judging myself. I have a hard time trusting my body. It's important for me to learn to do this. I know you think you're helping. So give them the benefit of the doubt because often this is a loved one. They do think they're helping. We have this weird idea in society that like we, if we don't say anything, that we have to like comment on people's food. And obviously, not obviously, but most of the time it's unhelpful. And so give them the benefit of the doubt. That's going to help to lower their defenses so they can actually hear what you're saying. So in, in saying something to the effect of, I, th- I know you think you're helping, but the best way you could help me is to fill in the blank. So this could be help me plan the meals at the beginning of the week or help me out with the shopping or whatever would be helpful to you. Like I said, it could just be, don't make a comment, right? Or remind me that I'm learning to trust myself or whatever would be useful. You get to decide that and you get to ask for that. And I will say too that sometimes you do want more direction depending on where you're at with your relationship with food. So if you really want that, it's okay to ask for that. I've worked with people who, when they go to a social gathering, maybe they get anxious and they end up eating more than they want to. And it's helpful for their partner to, I don't know, just give them like a quick signal to just, Hey, tune into your body. And if you've talked about it before, there's nothing wrong with asking for support in a directive way, 
but it's you explaining what's helpful and why is the essential component to all of this. So to sum that first tip, it's again, recognizing and understanding and appreciating the control or the influence, I should say, of the social environment and how much that impacts individual behavior change and then controlling what we can within that environment. I know it can feel like I don't have any control of other people's behavior and technically, yes, you do not, but trying to empower yourself to take control of the areas where you can at least assert yourself in a calm way and do so from a place of respecting yourself and also knowing you can do it perfectly and the person may not change, but at least you've attempted to advocate for yourself. You can feel good about that regardless of the outcome, even when that's incredibly hard and frustrating when it doesn't change. So that's tip number one. Tip number two of unexpected ways to improve your relationship with food would be to recognize where the lack of trust actually comes from. So one of the most common things that I hear is, but Sean, I can't control my food. Look at what I'm doing. I'm binge eating. I'm, I feel addicted to food. And, you know, there's a lot of this lack of trust can come from a couple different places. One is being physiologically undernourished. And I just did a podcast interview that'll come out in a few weeks with a dietitian, Anique Besso. And she was talking about this idea that when we we get this message that like healthy is 1200 calories or 1500 calories, and that is undernourished. And that in itself for many people causes binge eating. So just being reacquainted with what's a adequate level of calories and food and nutrition and energy for you can drastically reduce binge eating. But so many people, myself included, think of in the past, think about this like, well, that's healthy. And, and that was what we told people, we, myself included as well in the field. And so this lack of trust can come from like, well, I'm, I'm out of control. I'm binge eating or I'm emotional eating and I don't feel in control. I don't, or they immediately assume because I'm this body size, I must be out of control, which is certainly a myth. I'm not. And so recognizing where the lack of trust comes from can allow us to step back and develop a new different relationship with our body and therefore a new and different relationship with food. So that's tip two. The final tip is a really, really important one. And I think, honestly, the more that I do this work, the more I'm just like, this is essential and it makes sense. So the final tip is to speak your shame. So how do you feel when I say that one? Shame's talked about more, I think, because of Brene Brown and if you're familiar with her work. Speak your shame in trusted places, first of all, not just put your shame out there on the internet. That's not, that's not vulnerability. Speaking your shame in places where with folks that have earned your trust and there, there are so many reasons why people eat in response to stress. When I ran my group called the healthy living group, it sometimes would be also called the stress eating group. And I've never had so many people sort of jokingly say like, Sean, I need your group. And it's sort of self-disclosing this. And, you know, certainly some of those folks 
didn't have a, a concern with stress eating that was really bothering them. They were sort of joking, but many of them were not. I think stress eating and weight and eating concerns can be so shame ridden. And yet we feel like, well, we should be able to just solve it ourselves. This isn't that hard. Why can't I just control myself? And again, the more I do this work and reflect on this as a field and on my personal experience and works work with clients that I've done, it's just such a huge driver of eating and weight difficulties. And sometimes I use that term with clients and they're like, I'm a little skeptical of that. Shame's kind of an intense word, right? And that's Brene Brown has talked a lot about why we need to say it. Everyone has shame. If you say you don't, you're kind of lying to yourself. We all have our stuff. We all have things we're ashamed of. We all have our triggers and certainly eating and weight. And I believe parenting are like the most common ones. I think at least for women, motherhood and body shame are the most common ones. It's just pervasive. And this is something I hear a lot is like, no, I'm not ashamed. But again, when we dig deeper, it doesn't mean that you, that you're logically saying I should be ashamed or that logically it even makes sense. It's just, this is something that we all have. And to not talk about it, to not speak about it, to trusted others is to let it sort of fester. And I think the analogy Brene Brown makes is it's sort of shame in a Petri dish with secrecy and silence. It just gets worse and worse and worse. But when we bring it out into the light of day or share it or speak it with a trusted other, that's where the magic really happens. And we see this time and time again, there's, I mean, I'm a huge believer in research and evidence-based therapy and strategy. And there's a huge body of research that it's just the act of having a trusted other person that's there, that's listening, that's holding space for you. That is probably one in the relationship with your therapist or your relationship with other people is such a driving factor. I know for me, I was in grad school. I was learning all the the research and the strategies and all the things eating and weight. And ultimately what helped me the most was hearing stories of people who actually figured it out. And that's, you know, certainly my experience with transitioning to my own practice and doing this podcast, I've decided, you know, to just start sharing a bit, even if it helps a few people, because that's what we need. Again, I'm talking about Brene Brown a lot, but how can you talk about shame without talking about her? Her work is influential, not because of her qualitative evidence-based research, although that's extremely validating that the research supports what she's saying. The reason her work has gotten so much traction is probably the combination of research and personal experience and her sharing, but her sharing and her stories are the most powerful piece. And so I think the more I work in this space of health, weight, and body size, body shame, the more I realize just how polarized we are. And I think I knew we were polarized in many ways in our society, but I, I didn't really fully understand how much we were in the field of the health space. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm biased. So are you. I judge. I get judged. But I like this is what our brain does, but we can catch ourselves and work to improve. And so there's so much work to be done and learned in this space and, and learning from each other. 
And as always, I'm just grateful that you're here listening and keeping an open mind. So just to recap, the three unexpected ways to improve your relationship with food and therefore your body and your health would be consider your social environment, make changes where you can assert yourself calmly, feel great about that. Even though you can't always control other people's behavior, you can work to protect yourself and just be aware of the inputs socially and how they're impacting you and your sense of autonomy and control in your life in general, but also in with relation to your health choices, your food choices, all of that. Number two, recognize the source of lack of trust. So instead of just buying into, I'm out of control, I can't be trusted, really looking at the role of maybe under eating, even if you didn't think you were under eating and how that's played in, or just the role of repeated ineffective weight loss dieting and the role that's had in your life and really start to reevaluate this idea that you can't trust yourself and where it comes from and you know, one of the biggest things is like regularly fueling your body and perhaps if needed, working with a professional to understand like what that looks like for your specific situation, because everyone's different. And finally, number three, speak your shame in trusted places, speak it. And it's powerful. If there's areas of your life where you have done this, you've experienced the power. It's incredibly hard. But when you do so in trusted places, or at least you can never fully know if someone someone is to be trusted, but at least in places or relationships where they've earned that right to hear your story, vulnerability is often courage in you and shame in me. So we often think that someone's going to find find shame in what we're saying, but when they express vulnerability, we find it courageous. So you got to be willing to show up, be courageous, go first, and it can be incredibly powerful. So thank you so much for listening today. As always, I'm grateful for you. Have a wonderful week and talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, It would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.